It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to another edition of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is the woman who's invited to every pants party. It's Jules. <laughs> yes, I am. If there's a party in your pants, send me an invite. <laughs> That's dirty. That sounds dirty, Jules. I'm a dirty, dirty girl. <laughs> so we're doing this at a bit odd hours. It's a bit early on Sunday morning for you, and... Why is that, Ryan? Why are we doing this at eight a friggin' clock in the morning for me? Because I have a party to go to. Speaking of parties in your pants, you have an industry do, I think they call them, don't they? Yes, one very rare industry do. We're going to a 200th episode party. And uh, there certainly aren't very many shows that get to 200 episodes. So it's it's kind of a big deal. It's a freeing beer. What what show would that be for, Ryan? (laughs) Uh, A television show called Supernatural. Probably never heard of it. No, no. What network's that on? Um, CW? Mm, no, no. Where you are? No, I've never heard of it. Um, yeah. No, it's it is it is a big deal. It's very exciting. Um, I'm sure there will be there will be lots of people there, past and present. Past and present people. Well, hopefully it's just present people. Well, present ghosts. There. <laughs> hey, it is supernatural. Ghosts are not invited. There could be some, oh, there'll be salt lines at the door, or that will just yeah, be around exactly. the tequila glasses. Um, <laughs> boing! Oh, she's still got it at 8 o'clock in the morning. because <laughs> you're still drunk from last night, aren't you? Oh, possibly. I should say um, I've been, we have a convention here, Comic-Con type convention Armageddon this weekend, and uh, I was there yesterday seeing the Ghost Faces and Alana Huffman, who played Abaddon from Supernatural, as well as Jenna Coleman, uh, Clara, the current companion from Doctor Who, and a little bit of I saw a little bit of Giancarlo Esposito, most recently from the sadly cancelled, well maybe not sadly cancelled, actually probably appropriately cancelled uh, Revolution, but best known as uh, probably as Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. Michael Hogan. Um, Michael no, Hogan, he's great. Ma- he's fracking great. He's fracking great. Uh, Colonel Ty from <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, and is as is the uh, tradition here. They were we had our celebrity dinners last night, where you get to pay some monies and actually have dinner with these people, and uh, it's uh, a, a strange thing. It's like some weird sort of fandom wedding where there's all these different tables. There was last night. There was a teenage mutant ninja turtle table. Uh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> yes, uh, there was a super. Oh, I, I should mention Margot Kidder from uh, original Superman was here. So she was oh, at dinner Can- last. Canadian Margot Kidder. Yes, she was a, a yeah. dinner last night, and uh, yeah. So anyway, a very good time was had by all. So wait, you you pay money and then you get to sit at a certain person's table? Yeah, yeah, and you um, oh, okay. you get a it's at a swanky hotel and you get a three course meal and uh, uh, booze. Well, you have to pay for your booze, but uh, and you get to just uh, yeah have dinner and chat and um, yeah, it's a really nice ni- nice I think on both sides for people to actually have conversations rather than the you know thirty seconds you get in an autograph queue. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's. <coughs> It was very enjoyable. 
Have you ever done one of those things where the person you thought was great and turned out to be an asshole? Well, I've only done a couple of these things, so no, I haven't as yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I haven't. And I, I would imagine the sort of celebrities that sign up for do a dinner sort of thing would be someone who generally is a reasonable person, but you never know, I suppose. Now, are there celebrities that sign up for this and then they have no one at their table? Well, uh, no. That's, I think the tables were, were reasonably full last night, although ours wasn't, ours wasn't sold out. Um, and I do know that a friend of mine went to one, this was surprising, a couple of years ago, Mark Pellegrino um, from Lost and uh, Supernatural and most recently the also cancelled Tomorrow People. Um, right. He, uh, there were three of them. I had dinner with him, so that was a very intimate, uh, intimate event. That's right, yeah, and so, the intimate evening with. Exactly. Anyway, so that was my um, that was my fanish weekend, and I bought I bought a couple of new little pop vinyl figures, a little um, uh, Catwoman, who's a Julie Newmar era Catwoman, and Pennywise the clown. So that was yeah. who's very scary. There you go. That what's was the, my. What's the deal with those pop things? I don't get them. I, I think they're dumb. Yep. Well, I, I think they're dumb, therefore I don't get them. Okay. But they, it just seems like, I mean, they don't really look like the person. They kind of look like a little bit of a variation on what a character might look like. But Yeah, they're not an action gonna, figure. But if you're going to get that, why not get one that looks exactly like them? Like, why get one that's all cartoonish and dumb? Well, because some people like representational things and some people like interpretational things, Ryan. Well, I think that's mm. stupid. Well, I won't. I'll cancel the box of them. I was going to buy you, you for for your Thank birthday. You. Then, please do. And you, although will, I heard um, you will just get a our stick. friend um, Mark Shepard has one coming. Yes, <laughs> and it's very ugly. <laughs> you, I'd love to know what he really thinks of it. Yes, uh, Crowley was a supernatural character who didn't have a uh, a figure, and now they're doing one of him, and it's it's. It particularly doesn't necessarily look like either the character or the actor, and. Um, oh. It's funny because none of them look like the characters or the actors. Some of them are more evocative, I think, of the sp- as with any art, of the spirit of that. Like my little, I'm looking here at my little Julie Newmar um, Catwoman, and you immediately, it's a combination of mainly, obviously, of the costume, but you go, oh, yes, I know who that is, and that feels like her. Whereas the Buffy one, I have to say, not very Buffy-esque. So there you go, the world of pop vinyl figures. I'll uh, make sure we don't make a pop vinyl figure of Ryan Curtis when we do the TV Chinwag no. merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Just use the Mark Shepard one for my likeness. <laughs> I think you've Probably got to... look more like me than it looks like Mark anyways. Um, sorry, a bird just flew into my lounge room. It's gone now, I think. Yeah, oh, there, that was a, I think that's meant to be an omen of death or something, isn't it? Yeah, you'll be all right. Just... I, I, okay, given that I might not live through this podcast, then that was very strange. Um, yeah. We should get going and talk some TV. Do you have any news for us? I do have a bit of news. I suppose for for many of us, one of the big bits of news is that Twin Peaks is coming back to TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, not excited, not interested, no. not... No. No, you, you know, I was I was a bit uh, young, I guess, when Twin Peaks came out. It was what late teens, maybe, um, and everyone was crazy about it. Uh, you know, the, it, it was the coolest thing, and so weird and edgy and all these things. And I watched it. What 
Yeah, this is just dumb. Like, this is just weird and edgy for the sake of it, but not really getting to any point, and I really felt like I was wasting my time watching the show. Okay, so you're a teenage boy, so your opinion on that doesn't count, obviously. Well, uh, but I still <laughs> hold that opinion, and that's important. That's the important part. Well, <laughs> I... Sorry, my dog's now trying to protect me. Oh. From the bird? Yeah, I'm just hoping she hasn't caught the bird. Um... It's all happening here. This is like live recorded radio. <laughs> I hope it flies into Amy's room and lands in her hair. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yes, I, I being slightly older than Ryan, was of an age where I adored Twin Peaks. For me, it was one of the first... It was one of those first shows that uh, I was... Yeah, that I was... A, it really captured... It was more than a water cooler show. It was people on a on a large scale were into it and, and, and like having viewing parties and, you know, bars would show Twin Peaks and it was, you would have, you know, you would dress up as Twin Peaks characters to your friends' birthdays and things. It was that sort of pop culture moment, if you like. And for me, that was certainly the first, and possibly everyone's, I mean, the first experience of a, a show, TV show that really had an intensity and and really was the thing, and you know, beyond the sort of media that normally covers television, it became more widely talked about. And of course, it was David Lynch. Um, so, in in a way, you could trace back sort of what we've talked a lot about now of the involvement, uh, the the merging of sort of film and television and people crossing over. You know, this was a a critically acclaimed and always slightly curious filmmaker having a, a foray into television. So that in itself was a, a moment in the history of television. Um, the first season, I think, is, is, is a, an amazing, wonderful, crazy season of television. After that, I, you know, I think the general consensus is they <laughs> never thought they'd get a second season. Um, anyway, it's whatever happens now, uh, it is going to be fascinating. Uh, it's David Lynch and Mark Frost who created the original Twin Peaks bringing it back. So whatever happens with it, and I think it's coming back on Showtime, um, whatever whatever it is, it's either going to be glorious or a glorious mess, um, but I think it will be uh, fascinating to see what happens with it. Um, I mean, David Lynch actually hasn't done a huge amount um, since Twin Peaks, really. Certainly not a huge amount of note. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it picks Should up. Should I go back and watch it? No. No? Doesn't hold up? Uh, no, but I think if you didn't enjoy it the first time around, I don't think you're going to have some epiphany and go, oh, that's what I missed. I think you would bring... Uh, it, it well, is... well, what, what am I bringing? Well, you'd bring your emotional baggage with you, and I don't I don't oh, know okay. that you could... That's, that's just about enough of that. <laughs> I <laughs> think we both know I have no baggage. <laughs> oh, Ryan, you couldn't afford the uh, airline handling fees for your emotional baggage. Um, oh, um, Yeah, I'll try it. Watch the first... Watch the pilot. Watch the first episode. I mean, that will give yeah. you... That, that sets the scene. Um, it was a How show. How many seasons did they do? Two, and then there was the Firewalks with Me mini series thing. Um, 
Yeah, watch the first episode ever um, and, and see what you think. Um, yeah. Okay. I, as I said, I doubt you would suddenly go, oh, I really want to watch this. But uh, And I, I'm pretty sure, you know, you'd be able to watch the new one without having watched it because um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how they would pick up from where they left yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know what relationship the new Twin Peaks is going to have to the pre-existing story. But... Um, and it's obviously, I would. You know, it's not going to have the same. I would think not going to have the same characters, although it may well do. I mean, most of the actors are still alive, and most of them are actually still working. Um, hey, hey, Jules, when are they going to bring back Northern Exposure? That's the one I wanted to bring back. Oh no! Yes, of course you would. A schmaltzy little cutesy show that was. It was better than Twin Peaks. I think that's where you and I might have to agree to disagree, Ryan. Well. Hopefully one day you'll you'll learn. I'll go back and watch Northern. I did say I did watch bits of Northern Exposure, and I will I will see that it wasn't horrific, but it wasn't my show. <laughs> All right. <fair laughs> and one other bit of <laughs> excuse me, one other bit of news was um, a new show, and you know how I am. Um, fascinated with all the new forms of broadcasting around PlayStation. Of all the of all uh, entities, yeah. is making a TV show, and oh my god, it looks amazing! It's, what? What are they making? They're making a show called Powers. And now, isn't there a show called Power on right now that we reviewed? There is. This is totally um, unrelated. Okay. Um, now this is based on um, a comic book series, and it's basically a world where. Um, a, a superhero loses his power and he's um, recruited by a, a special police unit who investigates superhero-related crimes. And um, if you... Uh, we might put a link on, the, uh, on our um, website to the preview for it because it looks great. This is gritty, serious shit. Um, so it's not, it's not done as, um, you know, it being funny. Um, and I just looked at the preview and thought, my God, give me this show now. Um, so lots of sex and drugs and ultra-violence. So um, oh, okay. <laughs> sounds like something me wa- we might want to watch, Ryan. Uh, I'm not, like, sh- yeah. not sure when it's... Um, getting dropped and i think you'll only be able to watch it um if you own a playstation well i'm sure we'll have other ways of watching it but that's interesting <laughs> now, i noticed uh recently that playstation sony was coming out with a playstation media player okay so it was similar to like a roku or something yep. like that not for video games just for playing yes uh, media on your tv so that was interesting so that must coincide with them doing oh. shows i guess um, I know for a fact that um, Microsoft got into the arena for a little bit and actually produced some pilots. Uh, I don't know if they took it any further or not, but uh, but they'd actually done some live action pilots, which is interesting. Mm. And you know they have they have the franchises to do that. I mean, if Microsoft came out and said, "Oh, by the way, we're putting out a Halo television series," oh, people would lose their candy. I mean, it would be ridiculous. Yes. Or, you know, they came out and said, okay, we're doing a whatever, yeah. Dead Zone. Or, or, you know, they have so many franchises they could play off. Oh. They're all waiting for the big movies, big movies. But you know what? There's no reason why you can't do a legit, good, 
at, you know, cable TV show. And well, and of course, a lot of games really lend themselves more to a serialized form than just doing a movie, I think, because that's yeah. how we play them, uh, you know, as a serial, if you like, rather than just, you know, one discrete story. So um, I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, well, I look forward to that, Jules. Send me the link and I'll put it on the uh, website for everyone to watch. I certainly will. All right. Now, speaking of television, the good and the bad, oh. <laughs> where do you want to start today? Do Look, you want to start with the good or the bad? No, can we start with the bad because I need to rip that Band-Aid off and I need to be able to just download it out of my brain forever, have, a, uh, okay. have some sort of laser surgery in the part of my brain that had to sit through this. I'll give you the brain gravy. And then never we will never speak of it again. Why don't you tell us what this show was that's so horrific that we feel a, a need to put a PSA out there to the world to not watch? The television show we're going to be re- referring to today is called Scorpion. Came to L.A. to start a strategic response team. Mechanical prodigy, world-class shrink, a human calculator. And you on software. Need you. Got your equipment. Mind you, please. I need you to get me into a Ferrari 458. Force the gas cap open. Pull up the ECM chip. We're in. Oh my god! You are impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking horrible, Jules. And normally this is a spoiler free environment. Well, guess what? I'm going to spoil the shit out of this show. This is the biggest piece of garbage I've ever had the pleasure of seeing. Here's the thing. I can suspend disbelief. I can go along with stuff. I can be like, well, that's not how that actually works, but whatever. But when you come out there and you're telling me your main character is the fifth smartest man in the world. No, sorry, who's ever lived. Sorry, who's ever lived. Yes, sorry, I've ever ever lived. lived. Um, He has an IQ more than Einstein. He's the world's most foremost elite computer hacker uh, and has a team of the world's best whatever the fuck they are. Yeah, I'm quite Um, clear on that. Then when you start telling me about scenarios that they're going to be solving, you better be accurate, you better have your facts straight, and they actually better be smart things that these people are doing. None of those things were included in this. Now, I'm not even going to talk about the shitty acting, the shitty writing, the um, (laughs) monosyllabic love story that's happening i'm not going to talk about the broadly drawn or lack thereof characters um that's all cbs that's all your procedural the mentalist Mm. shit so you can already expect that really bad stuff but when you say here's a television show about computer hackers, which is what and you and I let, let's is, just pause for a moment. Hackers. You and I had when we saw what was coming up this season, we had yes. a little moment of wow, this could be good because you and I are a bit yes. nerdy. We thought the bit, you know, obviously it was going to have that sort of you know ensemble procedural uh, formula. Yes. But we thought, wow, maybe finally we're going to get some good IT type stuff on tally. So there was a little bit of excitement there. Yeah, there was. I remember thinking that could be really cool. It's not. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I I did some homework, Jules. I went back and I watched the episode again. What? Yeah. (coughs) And I wrote I wrote down all the dumb things. Now I'm going to read this out here. This is a long list. Stick with me, okay? This is in order as the episode goes. So talk about spoilers. 
it starts with um, the kid getting busted, whatever. The guy in his car driving. Just so you know, he's the smartest, fifth smartest man to ever live. A radio station has a thing and they says, uh, Oh, next caller, uh, if you can tell us uh, how many days of the year, or how many months of the year have 28 days in them. And uh, that girl says, Oh, February. And the guy says, Oh, all of them. Idiots. That's so we know he's the smartest guy in the world. (laughs) Then he gets to their bunker where all the power's been turned off because they didn't pay the bills. But it's okay because the badass Asian chick who does hardware stuff is rewiring the power. Which, I don't know if you knew this or not, Jules, but the power to a building is just in the ceiling next to a light. You just need to go up and and jump that and cause some sparks and you'll have power going again. (laughs) So then the FBI comes and they say, we need to hire you. And he says, I'm not going to help you. Well, we, we're going to pay you money. Fine, we're going to help. Uh, and here's the scenario. LAX, you know, the airport in LA. Yes. One of the largest tower, airports in the world. Yep. Their, their control tower uh, had an automated software upgrade that took down all of their flight navigation um, guidance systems. Uh, we don't find out until later that that also includes the other surrounding airports in L.A. Um, you know, just in case you were thinking, well, why didn't they just... Land somewhere so else. The scenario, yep, the scenario is 56 planes uh, are circling L.A. And I'm thinking, well, how did they get there? Their answer was the software went down <laughs> when these planes were in the air ready for Land- landing. That's when the comms went down. Somehow they diverted all the other planes away, <laughs> even though they have no communications. Um, and I saying, think that they did mention Morse code at one, using traffic lights and Morse code or something, didn't oh they? Oh, God. Um, no, I don't remember <laughs> that. So, so he says, so we have 56 planes, and they're all quickly running out of fuel, and we can't get them to land because they can't land without landing guidance, and they're out of calm range. Out of calm range? They're circling the city. <laughs> And, and so, guess what? Uh, People and, have mobile phones. Uh, we, we'll talk about that. So then they cut to the cabin and the pilots are, the pilot says to the guy on the radio, anything? He's like, nothing. What about your cell phone? And the pilot pulls out a cell phone. He's like, no, nothing. Well, well why what? not? Yeah. Why isn't your cell phone working? You're not that high. Anyway, so there, there's that. So the solution was, well, we need to get to LAX to fix it. Nope, they can't because traffic's backed up. So the main character, what does he say? We don't need to go to L.A. All I need is a strong wireless connection. And I know this cafe where I just fixed it and we can go to this cafe. A strong wireless connection? No, actually what he says is I need a wireless connection that I know won't go down. Which is the one he just fixed. Which somehow in their lair of high-tech wondery, they don't have yeah. wireless. Uh, yeah. yeah, and wireless isn't a thing. What no. he means is an internet connection. Yes. Um, so then he goes, by the way, oh, just so you know, the real solution to this problem is don't fucking worry about it. Air traffic control has thought of this, then they have backup plans, yeah. and they could do it all by pen and paper, and there's a scenario in which, hey, plane, I can't, or the plane says, hey, tower, I can't talk to you. Hey, what's going on? Okay, I'm going to fly somewhere else where I can talk to them, because radios go more than 150 feet. <laughs> Um, they will do it with pen and paper and calculators and bring, and the plane's navigation systems. Well, let's not even get into the point that they would never be in a situation where there was some sort of automatic software upgrade that would have a bug that would wipe everything well, else that's in the, the first other place. Yes. But that's earth logic, yes. so we'll move on from that. 
Well, but that's kind of like what the whole thing hinges on. Sure. The I, fact that they're hinging on something that would never happen. The TSA would never allow an automated software update to access anything in their network. <laughs> First of all, the terminals aren't running Windows. They're not Windows, for fuck's <laughs> sakes. You know, it's not Java. And that they made it. They made it sound like this is some. Yes, exactly. It's like <laughs> your, your computer Oops. automatically going like you know, uh, closing down to install the ten updates of Windows eight or uh, something. Yeah. And yeah. that it's some Flash off the shelf. Yeah, and it's got a bug because it's some sort of off-the-shelf software they got at Best Buy. You know? right. <laughs> it's like not something Which, they actually wrote themselves. <laughs> exactly. So they go to the cafe, they hack in, and then they Robert Patrick is in it, and he's actually he's the only thing that's moderately good in the show. Although he has moments where I felt he looked just slightly embarrassed to be there. <laughs> well, this is true, but other than that, he does an okay job. I mean, I can give him, A pass. I can give him the props that he deserves, yes. Uh, but he, has, he delivers lines like, NSA is trying to set up a satellite hookup. <laughs> what does that mean? What are they trying to set up a satellite hookup to? Uh, like it doesn't even it doesn't even make sense. Is he trying to connect to a satellite to the planes? Yeah. <laughs> is he trying to connect it? The, I don't understand what that even means. But there's techno babble that they just spit that means nothing. Um, he says without landing guidance, those planes are going to run out of fuel. Well, you know what? No, they'll figure out a way that they can get them to the ground. Why you have to hack into a plane to get it to the ground is beyond me. Um, so the pilots write the cell phone. He says it doesn't work. Um, we don't need to go to LAX. We just need a re- reliable wireless signal with no chance of going down. <laughs> then when they get there, they, they're having conversations about all these planes crashing. And somebody says, uh, you know... You better hurry or the streets are going to be splattered with airplane parts and body parts. And the girl says, actually, fuel tanks explode on impact, so you won't find any body parts. <laughs> okay, first of all, that's not true. And second of all, they're crashing because they're out of fuel. So, yeah. they're not um, so then Robert Patrick comes in and gives uh, O'Brien, who's the main hacker guy, a walkie-talkie <laughs> to talk to the guys at LAX. Okay, I thought their comms were down. <laughs> But they have a walkie-talkie. And how fucking close are they to LAX that a walkie-talkie has range to get there? <laughs> and why aren't they just talking on the phone? Anyways. Um, so then it turns out, oh, everything is down here. But every 12 hours, we're, we back up remotely to the backup server. Oh, this is... Oh, no, backed this, up yet. Uh, can I just say, at this point is yeah. when my head started exploding. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, by yeah. this point, I'd, I'd been banging my head on the desk, and then my yeah. brain just started dribbling out my ear at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and this is where I was getting mad and started tweeting. Um, so he says, uh, the software is backed up every 12 hours. It hasn't been backed up. We're 20 minutes away from the 12-hour mark. <laughs> as soon as that rolls over, it's going to back up the... Bad copy. I guess going to overwrite the previous backup yes. with the bad copy with the bad. So we need to get that. So... Now, Jules, just do me a favor here. If you're backing up remotely every night, that would mean that you have access to your backup server yes. over the internet? Yes, yes, that would uh, that would be how you would so, back up. Unless, of course... So then if you were in a hurry, would you, would you then decide to send someone to drive there to get the drive? Or just, you know, remote into the server and make a copy? Well, see, what I'm uh, imagining, Ryan, in this... Um, in this world that Scorpion has, that they probably actually back up onto floppy disks. I think that was probably <laughs> what they did. They probably every night someone sits there and they back up onto floppy disks and then they probably put them in the mail 
to their right. um, uh, archive yeah. location. And that's right. why you have to drive there because obviously that's how we do things in 2014. Exactly. So they say, quickly, get to the backup storage facility. Even though, I don't know if you remember, but they couldn't get to LAX because traffic was dead stopped everywhere. Yes. That's why they had to go to the cafe. But you'll be able to get to the backup facility. It's only 12 minutes away. So they jump in the car and they go there. Now, O'Brien says, get to the server and get me that backup disk. All right, now, (laughs) Jules, how much do you know about server technology and backups? Um, Only a small amount, but enough to know that's crap. Yeah, so no, there's not going to be one drive, there's no. going to be multiple drives, because they'd be in an array. Um, it's not a server, it's a disk array is the other thing. Um, it would be at least three drives, but probably quite a bit more, because they're going to be using a redundant RAID striping. Doesn't matter what that means, it just means that there's more than one disk that's going to be needed for redundancy. So, no to all of that. Um, <laughs> Oh, then they get there, they can't get in, so his genius idea is to cause a brownout in the neighborhood, and that will force the electronic door locks to unlock, and then they can just walk into the facility. Uh, so they do that. Uh, the, the nerd guy says, I need to calculate the power it will take to overpower a surge. What? What does that mean? That doesn't mean they- anything. These are the lines that were written in the script. I need uh, to calculate the power it will take to overpower a surge, uh, which was, by the way, 500,000 kilowatts. What? Just because. Yeah, just because. 1.21 gigawatts. Whatever. Um, so anyways, they do that. Uh, they can't get in. O'Brien says, uh, this is this is the great part. So O'Brien says, they, they radio back and say, uh, we can't get into the data center. It's locked. O'Brien says, okay, well, I'm going to pull my guys back here. And we're going to have to come up with another plan. It's probably going to take an hour or so. <laughs> and Robert Patrick says, within an hour, those at least two planes will be out of fuel and crashing. And then, then he says to O'Brien, and he asks him if he really thinks he can come up with an option by then. An hour. Yeah. And then Robert Patrick gets on the phone and calls the FAA to tell them that two of those planes are terminal. And he's going to sacrifice those two planes to save the rest. Yes. What the fuck does that mean, Jules? <laughs> O'Brien says it's going to take us an hour to come up with a solution. And so he says, okay, we're going to have to sacrifice those two plans. Yes. Well, why? Why couldn't he come up with a solution before then? <laughs> like, uh, why does he have to make the decision that two planes are going to be sacrificed to come up with a plan? Anyways, it, it's terrible writing. Um, so then they get the hard drive. They go into the data center. This part pisses me off. Oh, God. So they rock. Well, they run into this data center, and there's all these drive arrays, and so they're trying to figure out which one is the LAX backup. So what does the smart guy do? He grabs the picture on the guy's desk, and he's like, "There, this guy in the middle, he's the boss." And you can tell by his belt loop that he's a left-handed. So that means that when he goes in here, he's not going to put the drive on any of the right-hand storage. So we can just ignore everything on the right hand. It's going to be on the left-hand side, and he's short, so it's not going to be up on the high. So he's going to be thinking this is the biggest load of shit in the world so finally he finds the drive and he pulls it out it turns out it had lax written on it yeah, Again, <laughs> yeah. Drive is stupid so he brings the drive back to the cafe and they go to the solution is o'brien tells the lax i'm going to email you the file you just need to click on it and everything will be everything will be fixed okay you're going to email an entire drive yeah yeah at which point 
yeah, um, uh, by this point, I so was saying, he, I was actually crying. <laughs> I think by this point, really, so like, he puts ugly the drive crying. In the, and what happens? What happens to the drive? Oh no, he forgets about drive. science. He never yes. watched Breaking Bad <laughs> or anything. <laughs> or anything. So the computer wizard genius guy decided to put the drive next to the speaker in the car, and the magnet on the speaker erased it. I mean, this is juvenile shit. <laughs> this is so juvenile. It's dumb. Okay, so whatever. Magnets, oh, oh no, science, totally bitch. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh, we're totally screwed. We're never going to be able to save it. Um, oh, and then the autistic kid playing chess with the, uh, <laughs> with the that can go fuck itself. <laughs> let's that not. Let's not right even off. go go there. Yeah, yeah. The 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 sexy waitress who likes the main character has an autistic son who's just as big a genius as these guys, but they don't know it. Okay. Then oh no, no. Bryan they says... pick it. He picks it in oh, thirty yeah, yeah. seconds. So the the main character who is meant to, who is your classically cliched. I'm a genius, but I have no social skills, and I pretend that. But still, kind of cute. Though. But I'm still kind of cute, and and women love me because of that. Um, I have no social skills, but I can tell in thirty seconds this kid's a genius, and his mother's shit at relating to him, and I can tell right. you why because I can emotionally analyze her. But hey. My excuse for being an asshole to people is that I'm a genius and I have no idea about emotions. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, that can go fuck itself, right? <laughs> that can go uh, fuck itself. So, so we've got the wiped drive because magnets, bitch. Uh, yeah. So what do they decide to do now, Ryan? Well, first O'Brien spouts the line, I need to upgrade my wireless antenna software to communicate <laughs> with the plane. I imagine at nope, this time, Ryan. that's not a thing. Is that when you punched a wall? Uh, that's when I punched myself for still watching it. Um, so then they get this bright idea, Jules, that um, uh, there's got to be at least one person on one of those flights that has his cell phone on. And so the genius guy gets his other friends to start looking at the passenger manifests. And they're like, okay, well, the planes are going to be too high, so any smartphones won't work. So we need to find an older phone. So let's get rid of all the people that are over 50. And... Let's do this, and then, oh, this guy's a salesman, so-and-so, and he's going to have an old phone, and they, salesmen never turn their phone off. So they call this one dude's phone, and he's the only person on the plane that has phones on. Yeah, and, because, uh, they get because, because, yeah, anyway. Which is actually not dumb. That's a smart way of looking at it. Unfortunately, there's no fucking way in the world they would ever have access to any of that data. So, yeah. no. <laughs> um, then they get on the phone with the captain. Did you hear his name? No. I think... Captain Pike. Oh dear! Who was the Star first Trek captain of the USS Enterprise? Captain, yes. um, okay, I, I so couldn't hear it over the sound of my ugly crying <laughs> at this point. Now O'Brien is talking to the captain. Oh yeah, O'Brien jumps in a car and he's like, "Quickly, get me to this other shitty airport. I have a plan." Uh, which yes, anyway. So he gets into the waitress's car and they're doing a hundred and. The smart Asian girl hacks all the lights. So Which she couldn't do before green. to get them to LAX, apparently. Apparently not. And also, she only turns them green right before they hit the intersection yes. so that it's super dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so then this, they're racing to the airport in her shitty car. And what happens? Oh, yeah. He's talking to the captain. So he's racing in the car, and he's talking to the captain on the plane. The captain on the plane is on a cell phone, but O'Brien is talking into a walkie-talkie. Yes. <laughs> just, what the fuck? Just because. Do walkie-talkies and cell phones call each other now? Um, okay. <laughs> 
So he tells the captain, Captain, you are carrying the uncorrupted software in your plane. I need you to email it to me so it can be downloaded at LAX. And the pilot says, copy, but our onboard wireless only has a limited range. No, okay? In real life, the pilot would say, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I fly planes. I don't know anything about computers. Because pilots, uh, they don't know everything. Um, okay, so they get to the shitty airport, which has a control tower, by the way, that seems to be wor- in working condition. Yes. And O'Brien says to Pike, okay, Captain Pike, you have to fly by, you know, really close to the ground. I'm going to try and connect to you wirelessly with my laptop and see if I can download the software. So the plane flies by and <laughs> and then and O'Brien fa- says... Uh, look, I hate to add in. This it- is what he says. Hold on. I got to quote him here. He says... It failed. There was too much of a speed differential in the plane and a stationary laptop. <laughs> no. So in other words, you were going too fast and I couldn't connect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on. I was I, look. I was just going to say though, the idea that you have this this software, navigational software or whatever it is, um, that you're using, you know, planes and airports are using to work how they work. Um, sorry, I'm become inarticulate with rage at this point. Yeah. Um, but the version on the plane doesn't update and doesn't talk right. to the ver- – it's a different uh, – they're not connected to the one. Like, if there was this stupid scenario where they had an automatic update, wouldn't it be on the, across the system, not just on the ground? Anyway, moving on. Well, but what they said was try to find a plane that's come from a long distance that left Australia – because it would have started with the old software instead of the new updated software. But but besides that, don't get drawn into that, Jules. Airplanes do not have a software system that you can just put on the ground and all of a sudden you can run all your air traffic control systems Exactly. On. So don't worry about that. No. That's not a thing. Uh, so he's like, there's too much speed differential, uh, so they need to try and keep up with the plan. So they go out to the parking lot and there's a brand new Ferrari sitting there. And he calls his Japanese friend and says, how do I hack into a Ferrari? And she tells him the steps to do that gives you full access to driving a Ferrari <laughs> in 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, oh, and we haven't even got to the worst part yet, dear listeners. We haven't even got to the worst part. <laughs> so, then uh, the tower says, okay, we're in sync with O'Brien's laptop. So, somehow he synced his laptop, running on a battery... To the main tower. So yes. whatever he does on his laptop, I guess, is automatically synced to the main tower. That definitely seems safe. So he decides, okay, pilot, come in. I need you to get down to eight feet. And <laughs> oh no! I need you to drop me down a cord. And we're going to race underneath you in this Ferrari while you're eight feet above the ground. And we're going to download the hardware, the software, directly to the laptop. <laughs> so this is where the co-pilot being also a computer expert goes into the plane's server room you know how yes, planes have server yes, rooms I, in them I've always wondered I think they're usually next to the galley aren't they where they where they keep the uh, uh, well no it's underneath because they also have a small door oh, that that's opens, right. opens in yeah. and uh, will allow you to access the outside of the plane from the server room so he gets this 20 meter long land cable which by the way has to be a crossover cable why you would have that nobody does and puts it out the he he doesn't put it out the plane, Jules. No, no. no. The co-pilot climbs out on the landing gear and has to physically hand the cable 
to the dumb girl that's going 200 miles an hour in a Ferrari below them, who's standing up out of the sunroof to gra- try and grab the cable from the co-pilot's hand. Now, what we haven't established at this part is if the plane can get to within 15 feet of the runway, why it can't actually land. Well, it says the runway's too short for it. Right. Apparently, it's apparently okay, they so build runways. Miles an hour. Yeah, and they build runways that are too short for planes. Yeah, I'm thinking if a plane touches the ground, it's going to decelerate pretty quickly and not do 200 miles an hour for two minutes or whatever it is. Anyways, um, yeah. So now the scene is a Ferrari is zipping underneath a, a, a huge jet that's eight feet above the ground. Yeah. At 200 miles an hour, and they have a yellow cable coming out, and she plugs it into the laptop, and hold, oh, it's going, it's going, hurry, it's going, it's going, oh my god, oh my god, oh, and then the plane starts going up, and the laptop Stop. starts getting higher, and, and uh, finally at the last minute, boom, it, it down goes through, and then she... Loads, or downloads, or... Yeah. With less problem than I have, you know, hooking up my... DVR to a new television. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I have more problems connecting to Skype. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, there's a myriad of questions, but why isn't the car blown away by the wash from the jet? Yes, yes. Um, why, why isn't, isn't she blown away? Yeah, why isn't she and the laptop sucked into the uh, the engine? Um, then as soon as it gets through, like the immediate second it goes through, the guy in the tower says, Mayday, Mayday, we are all restored. <laughs> Why the fuck are you saying Mayday, we are restored? Because uh, his brain is melted as well. I'm sorry, listeners. I this I know it's not like me to talk about something this long. <laughs> this just really upsets me. And one of the reasons is the show creator, O'Brien, <gasps> who's a quote-unquote, this show is based around him actually is a real person that says he's the fifth smartest person to ever live that he's a genius hacker that does government stuff all the time and he's not he's a lying piece of shit who is can probably convinced of these things but in no way is any has any involvement with anything that's interesting or <laughs> smart because if he helped write the techno on this script he's a f- it's fuckwit yeah yeah, he's. I, I guarantee anyone listening to this could have, starting from the same. Let's let's accept the outrageous scenario to start with. But any listener to this podcast could have written more believable tech dialogue and scenarios than this. Uh, yep. My, in fact, my dog, <laughs> my dog who doesn't even have a phone, could write better dialogue. Oh, Ryan. I know, Jules, and. It's just, you know, if this was a medical show and it was ER and instead of them bringing in a patient and the doctor saying, we need a CBC and a chem test and a stat this and and used real jargon, if they just said, okay, um, poke him in the arm and see if blood comes out because if blood comes out, that means his heart's still beating and he's going to have blood pressure. So just poke him there and you have blood? Okay, well then... (laughs) That's that's the it, level. It's about the same level. And the sad thing is, <laughs> then I I actually, because I'm stupid, watched 
part of the second episode where they do actually delve into medical and scientific things, Ryan. And it was at that point that I threw my um, TV out the window and um, ran down the street screaming. Yes, that's the other thing, listeners. We don't ever review a show based on one episode, (laughs) but that's all you're going to get for this one. Oh, please, don't watch it. Pray it gets cancelled. Jules, can I interrupt you there? Because I did a bit of research. Did you? IMDb has this rated at 7.5 out of 10. What? Yep. And another rating, was it Metacritic? Metacritic was 50. What? Out of 100. And there was another one, and it was 8.5 out of 10. What? Who are these people? Are they allowed to vote? And I I watched a couple reviews on YouTube, and people were saying, oh, it's a lot of fun, you know, it was a really high-energy romp, and the characters you're really going to love, they're really interesting characters, and, uh, you know, the technical stuff is really, yeah, oh, no, yes, yeah, yeah, Jules. This show had 20 million viewers in its first episode. (laughs) 20 million. I mean, it's terrible. It is. Even the actors are shit. I mean, the main guy, whatever. I mean, they're they're just actors doing their job. I understand that. I'm not saying they're bad people or untalented people, but their characters are so thinly drawn that there's nothing there for them. There's nothing of interest at all. No, I mean, I mean, seriously, this this is almost like someone went to TV tropes and was like, what, yeah. what? Okay, we're doing an ensemble show. We need someone who does uh we've got the tech guy we've got the the one who can read people's emotions we've got yeah oh, we better have an asian chick in there doing something even by the second episode they haven't worked out she does mechanical stuff which basically involves having a wrench in her hand but she doesn't and and then there's a guy with a hipster with the hat um it's who i like actually i like that actor i've seen him oh yeah times, again it's funny but the writing is just seriously so shit that you and and yeah like the medical stuff in the second one was which is more my area of expertise was just right. enough to make me go no go away go away go away burn it with fire yeah and and look dear listeners you should know by now that ryan and i do watch mindless action things and we will put up with a level of dumb or disbelief or whatever but i think ryan has very accurately broken down the fact that this was (laughs) this this even wasn't hand waving over things this was really basic uh stuff that you're just like what the fuck and like someone's gone just gone gone and got some techo terms and put them in a sentence together like i can't even understand how anyone could be writing for television could not like could hold their head up while writing this stuff and, and i don't often no. say that because we know a lot of you know people don't set out to make something bad but this is done without care uh, this is a pilot as well so you think okay yeah. we want to have i'm sure someone said the starting point for this episode was there's a ferrari under a plane like that image is probably and, and that's a great image it's a really mission impossible image Yep. And you could have worked out some reason why that Ferrari was under a plane. and You could have used the exact same reasons that are in the script right now and just written it better. Yeah. And I would have been like, oh, that's totally possible. Exactly. But <laughs> but when, when you have just absolutely atrocious writing, it's just... I mean, even the directing was directed by... Is it Jeremy Lin? Uh, he's, he was the director of The Fast and the Furious. Which yeah, yeah. 
Um, there's some really high-paced action stuff that's there. It doesn't need to be there, but it's there. Yeah. And, you know, everything was pretty much in focus in the camera. That was good. Yes. And I have to compare it to, you know, trying to think, you know, thinking of similar shows, you could compare it to any of the ensemble uh, procedurals like NCIS, whatever, um, or something like Leverage, um, which was, you know, a sort of a grifter yeah. show that was uh, finished a, a year or two ago. Now, look, Leverage was not the... And it had tech stuff in it and that. But it was... Yeah. And, and often, you know, unbelievable Mission Impossible type Ocean Eleven scenarios. But they always were within the realms of believability or, you know, and we are all accept the fact that, you know, anyone can hack anyone else's password in two seconds. All operating systems in the world are connected. You know, it's like watching porn. You accept that things can get done in tech on TV and movies that don't happen in real life. But yeah. it has to have, like anything, a, a, it has to be lo- real life adjacent and you have to not be... <laughs> just talking bullshit i think we should stop talking about this now I, I, do you feel no you're right and if if somebody wants to watch an interesting show with a savant based main character who's genius i would suggest uh, lie to me yes yes See, there you go there's a network show where the guy's a savant genius that can't re- relate to other people but it's interesting probably not re- based in reality no. but interesting and so that and was th- this was or a sherlock's another one yeah um lie to me i Glad you mentioned that. That was a Tim Roth series that I think went yeah. three seasons or two seasons. I love that show. Uh, I loved it too. It was great because yeah. so the he runs a consultancy. He's someone who you know reads other people really well, uh, and and has the old you know doesn't relate particularly well to other people. But they took him beyond that. Um, I thought, thought particularly his relationship with his teenage daughter um, right. was excellent. Uh, Jim Roth, of course, I would watch do anything. And the yeah. scenarios each week, um, it was great because they weren't all murders. There was a whole range of, of you know, different scenarios, uh, things his consultancy would investigate. Um, and all the characters in it were, were interesting and well-drawn and not cliched. And, and they, he didn't always get things right. He didn't always solve things. Um, yeah. And he fucked up. And, yeah, if you, it's on Netflix. Go and watch Lie to Me. It's, it's, um, it's really, really, really worth it. It's a much better experience. <laughs> Ryan, sticking needles in your... Speaking of much better experience. Yeah, okay, let's move on. prison. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not uh, often you say... The show was... Yeah. <laughs> let's escape to a women's prison. Where it's <sighs> nice and no, nothing can hurt us. <laughs> so the next show, in uh, utter total contrast that we're going to talk about, is the Netflix series Orange is the New Black. My name is Piper Chapman. I carried a suitcase of drug money ten years ago. Do you know about all this? She failed to mention the lesbian lover who ran an international drug smuggling ring. You were a lesbian? At the time. I have been starved out, stalked, and called Taylor Swift. Can you please cut me some slack? It's just like the Hamptons, only horrible. I'm scared that I'm not myself in here, and I'm scared that I am. Which... Uh, finished its second season this year and has been renewed um, for a third season. So this was, I think, the second original 
certainly the second big name original series from Netflix uh, out of uh, after House of Cards, which we reviewed last week. Um, but I think Orange is the New Black is really the series that put Netflix on the map as far as um, original um, content goes, because it was do it's done stuff that. Um, well, wherever you saw this show, it um, you would take note of it. It's based uh, actually based on a, a a book by a woman who did spend a year in prison, um, Piper Kenman, uh, Kerman, uh, and her story is basically uh, after college she got involved with someone, uh, a woman who. Um, she fell in love with who happened to be involved in basically drug running around the world and 10 years later uh, the the uh, authorities are trying to perse- prosecute the people in the drug running case and she sort of gets swept up as uh, an accessory um, in these crimes and ends up spending a year in prison and she's a she's a nice white middle class lady and she ends up in upstate New York in prison and the the show basically jumps off from that premise it's vaguely from I haven't read the book but it's it's um, it's vaguely based um, on that uh, so we follow Piper who the the character in the um, um, show is also called and her entry into um, prison what did you think of Orange is the New Black I watched the uh I guess only about the first half of the first season, and uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was great. I thought it was great characters and really interesting people and a lot of funny situations, a lot of sexy situations, a lot of scary situations. Um, you know, I I kind of felt that the characters were a little bit cliched, some of them, but but not not expected like i didn't find them tired or or used up or or anything like that they were some really interesting stories to be told from these characters um you know i prison movies usually have the same structure where it's uh, you know a naive new fish that goes in and gets pulled under the wing of somebody who's a bit protective but not over the top and uh and they meet the people who are running the show and the people at the bottom and the people at the top and the, the people are always sort of the in-between um, in the prison. So th- in that regard, it was a bit stereotypical, although maybe that's what it's like when you go to prison. I don't know. <laughs> Never been there. Um, I thought it was funny. I wasn't overly crazy about the main character, Piper. Um you know, she was a little waspy for my tastes. Well, and this and is... Uh, I'll just jump in here because um, given that you've watched up to the halfway through the first season, this is one of the points of what I think the show does well and and does turn expectations around because she starts off as... And, and generally in a TV show, she would be the audience, the assumedly right. uh, white uh, audience's entree into this, you know scary new world and as she discovers the culture and the subculture and navigates her way through the um through the prison system but what happens is as as this develops with piper we find out that she's actually a very unlikable not nice person and one of the things the show does well and and you get a lot more of it even though i adored the first season uh, it's really the second season where a lot of the characters we met in the first season who 
I, I agree, you know, there were certainly some characters. There's um, Crazy Eyes, who's a fun character. But in the first season, you find, you generally think she's a bit one-note. You know, she's a crazy right. character. And um, there's a number of others that, as you say, seem a bit, you know, there's the, there's the Butch Dyke and there's the, you know, pretty Latina girl. And what, what the show does well, and in a way, the, the um, season structure of, you know, 13 episodes or whatever per season, if you think of the first two seasons as one, one, uh, the the second season really is what then goes, okay, let's look at how these women got to this point. And not to say that they suddenly reveal, oh, they're actually not the person you think they are, but you get to know that person better and you get a lot right. more, there's a lot more flashbacks to their origin stories, if you like, and, and their stories yeah. outside prison. And as I said, uh, it's not always going, oh, yes, she was this lovely, caring person until she went to prison. No, no, it's no, actually no. saying, yeah. well, she was a bitch on the outside world and this is how she's found, or she was a you know, control freak on the outside world and this is how she's living that out inside and of course some people have you know uh, the I suppose the real part of this is a lot of these women are victims of circumstance like women really in women's prisons a lot most of them are there for you know either drug related or or money related crimes Um, most of them are, are, are working class women uh mainly majority of the population is either black or latina um and so you get you get to know them a bit more but i think that the best thing they did was make as as time goes on you're like piper goes from being the character who takes us into the one that you're like oh my god this this you know this is not a nice person um and that that's that's a brave thing to do, given that she's been our way into it. And in the second season, that's when it really opens up for you to find other characters where you go, oh, well, she's she's now the way, <laughs> you know, my my character, if you like. Um, I think it's really interesting as a comedy because it is hilarious, but it's also got moments of, as you said, moments of drama and and. and uh, scary moments but and there's a lot of nice sexy moments um but it is it is really fucking funny as well the the dialogue is is brilliant it's um created and written by genji cohen who is most well known for the se- series weeds did you watch weeds ryan wasn't a fan of weeds yeah it wasn't a show no. i ever really gave any time to so I, I can't really comment as whether I liked it or not but uh, I think Genji's really found um, a voice here that uh, well certainly I'm really enjoying and the stories uh, y- yes a lot of them are the expected prison stories of people trying to you know get what bits of power they can because basically they've got no power you know they are in prison and uh, you know the little things become big things if you like and there's some nice contrast which is people like or dislike so the main character has a fiance uh, played by Jason Biggs on the outside and uh, so he provides that sort of point of comparison of how you know things what what may seem like a, something trivial to people on the outside is actually a big deal in prison his character Excuse me. His character is very unlikable, though. He's a, a very self-centered, um, 
person who um, you know ends up using using lots of people to his own ends and thinking he's the victim in all this somehow. Right. Um, but there are some other nice characters on the outside, including Piper's um, brother, who I can't remember who he is played by, who's this sort of hippie-ish character, and he has some, he has some hilarious scenes. So in the second season, we see more of the outside? Uh, a little bit more. I wouldn't say more because um, really the main character, Piper's connection with the outside world is less. So her, her relationship with her, um, uh, her fiancé, the Jason Biggs character, is sort of um, uh, not over, but there's, there's less of a connection. She does actually get to go to, um, to leave the prison... Um, during the the second season um, for a wedding, but um, wedding funeral wedding, um, but the focus is definitely moves away from Piper, and it's the the other characters inside. We get particularly in the second season, it's a lot more flashback heavy. So we get the backstories of um, a number of characters and some wonderful backstories that are like their own little short stories. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, all, all in of themselves. And, and and some are really surprising. The backstory to the, the sort of do good and none is uh, is a wonderful example of fleshing out a character. And, um, uh, you know, no one's black or white in this. Uh, it is that the prison is a microcosm of real life with the same, you know, class and racial tensions, um, you know, the situation where the few men involved, um, be they good, bad or indifferent, have all the power because, you know, um, they're the prison guards. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. There's a bit more of a story with the governor in the... has a bigger role in the second season and her relationship with her husband, who's who's a politician. Um, it's an... Um, you know, one of the reasons I think it got a lot of attention was because in 2014 it's still incredibly rare to have a TV show that's entirely female focused has an incredibly racially diverse cast um, has a transgender woman played by a transgender woman in a wonderful piece of casting um, with Laverne Cox <coughs> and they actually have her twin brother playing her in the series before she transitioned which is just like amazing um wow. and it's fun and yeah it, it just i think it did things like as you, you sort of go oh women women's prison show is is it going to be like oz or um you know is it going to be some sort of wacky uh it's going to be like prison break <laughs> yeah, prison break or or some sort of you know because it was billed as a comedy is a sort of wacky uh situations yeah. in prison with the uh you know the prison laundry overflowing with suds or something uh and it manages to not be any of those and in some way all of those at um once there's a wonderful you're probably not up <laughs> to the the episode about the chicken the the yes i remember <laughs> that one yeah so there is absurdist comedy in there as well but um 
It's, uh, you know, and the performances, um, a lot of the actors in this have come from uh, theatre uh, because, you know, if you're a middle-aged black woman, there ain't a lot of roles for you on television. Um, and there's a, there's, there's a few familiar faces. Kate Mulgrew from um, the Star Trek Voyager series is someone who plays a, um, a Russian woman who runs the kitchen. Um, is wonderful. What do you think of her? Uh, she's not my favourite character, but in the second yeah. season, again, you get her backstory and her character, both in the flashbacks and in current times, is fleshed out. So you certainly then, right. and I think that's the transition from the first season to the second season, is you you think you know these characters in the first season because they're not one-dimensional but they're sort of a you know she's a bit of a caricature of you know the russian woman running the kitchen um and then there are more complexities and she's fleshed out in the second season both in ways that make her more likable and less likable at the same time um and and all the characters are like that they're they're um at the uh, at the same time as some of them you're like you have more understanding and sympathy for them uh no one's no no one's the golden child here and no one's a one-dimensional villain everyone has a reason for what they're doing whether you believe it or not i mean so all that in a comedy is an amazing thing anyway um although you know i will say it is a comedy but it you know it's you know, certainly not a sitcom, obviously, and it, it falls into a, a lot broader cat category than we would, you know, generally. You know, you're not you're not going to put this up against Friends and go or Two and a Half Men, which of course we're no, but you could put it up against Louis. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is definitely, and I mean, maybe that's a shift because we've talked about some of these shows like Marin and Louis and this, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm trying to think what else we've talked about that might be similar. A few other ones that were similar. Um, yeah. it, it's a it's a different approach to comedy. It's certainly, a, you know, there's satire in there and there's, a, and, and as I said, broad humour. But these are comedies that are using humour in a lot more complex way than, you know, for years network sitcoms dominated, laugh track dominated comedy uh, was really all we saw on TV, that and sketch comedy. So these, I think, are ta- really showing the potential of comedy to make a mate, to tell stories in a different way than dramas or melodramas do. Oh, that sounded quite Could deep. Could the show have? Be, <laughs> it did. Could the show have been on the network? Um, not in the same form, obviously, because um, they swear and right. there's um, um, hot lesbian sex. Um, or just lesbians in general. Oh, just lesbians in general, and it probably wouldn't have been <laughs> on the networks because there's a lot of black people and and Latino people on there. Let's face it; right. it's um, you know, you, you look around the networks and there's you know pretty much still in a white whiteout. Uh, you know, so that and just having a female-dominated show that's not, you know, designing women <laughs> or cougars. Well, I was going to say, what about designing women? Designing women, the Golden Girls. Yeah, I mean, the eighties were really the heyday for women in television. Well, yeah, and and certainly as in, in comedy roles, particularly. Um, yeah. And that's you know there are some um, uh, some amazing uh, Leah Delario who plays Big Boo, who's the uh, the big butch dyke character in this. You know, she's a she's a stand up comic, um, and it's oh, you're not allowed to use that word dyke. <laughs> I'm a dyke, and I'll use the word dyke, or I'll come and punch you in the cunt. Um, sorry, you're homophobic. Stop being homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I, I think there are many reasons why you wouldn't see this on a network. Uh, but the fact that Netflix have done it and it start, you know, again, baby steps, uh, it's, it starts to show that people will watch this. It certainly had... Netflix never relate, re- releases viewing numbers, but it had 14 Emmy nominations and it had right. and criti- it's talked about critical acclaim. And yeah. the other thing, though, which is interesting is, uh, um, and we've, we've touched on this before, of course, being on Netflix, the whole season drops at once, which right. um, I have to say is a... Um, yeah, it's a double-edged sword as far as viewing goes because this is so... And, and I think there is a discussion to be had about how, whether this, whether you change how you make a show when you know it's going to be watched all at once versus week to week. Uh, and I need to think more about that because uh, that's how most people will watch this. You know, I watched it over. I watched the whole thing over a weekend. You know, ten hours of television or whatever it yeah. was. Uh, yeah, when when I watched it, I did the same. It was in one sitting, and unfortunately, I just haven't sat down to keep watching. It. Yeah, but you know, you can go back to it at any time because it's I suppose, on yeah. on Netflix. It's not go anywhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. It's actually hard, uh, you know, when I've been uh, selling it to people of why they should watch it, um, it is hard to distill down a bit because you're not just going to say, oh, it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Um, you start talking about how amazingly diverse the cast is and how great that is to see and it sounds like it's some sort of worthy, um, you know, you should just watch it because it has women of different sexualities and races and genders on it and that's not a selling point. That would be a weird reason to watch a show. Well, yeah, exactly. It's not a selling point for, 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 for most people. Um, so it is, it's hard and, and certainly the first episode in a way... Um, I think you get the tone of the show, but you really need to watch the first few to really get it. Um, probably the first three, I think. Although you'll probably know from the first one if you really want to watch it. But it does present as something a little bit other than what it is. Because you could watch the first episode and think, oh, yes, it's going to be about pretty white girl de- dealing with all the scary people in prison. And that's not what it's about. Um, you should watch it. Yeah, I should finish watching it. You should finish watching it. Um, Do you see any more of uh, her girlfriend? Laura Prepon? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you do. Do you get to see her boobs again? Um, I can't quite remember, but there is some hot, sexy times uh, with her, uh, both in uh, present time and flashback. That's pretty good. <laughs> and there's lo- lots, lots, lots more sexy girl times in the second season as well. Oh, was there? Oh, cool. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, totally worth watching. And if, if people aren't put off by that, <laughs> I, I would suggest it. I, well, because I'm sure there's going to be, right? Uh, there's oh. going to be people that are uncomfortable with that. People who don't like watching lesbian sex? Who are you? Um, <laughs> uh, I think they're called straight women. <laughs> Damn. Don't worry. Just going on a limb there. Yeah, it'll convert them. Definitely. Um <laughs> Or make, possibly make you want to go to prison. No, definitely not. Uh, look, Don't go to prison. Great Don't performances. And I mean, I know you and I have talked before about, you know, there are so uh, few roles for, you know, women who aren't uh, 22-year-old pretty girls. I mean, you have to wait until you're, um, uh, you know, you, you get into the sort of grandmother phase until you get, 
get back to getting roles on, on television. And certainly it was something we discussed over dinner last night with Elena Huffman, you know, just about right. the difficulty, you know. And, you know, this is uh, a woman who's a, a great actor who is also very attractive. Uh, but, you know, she's not 22 anymore. Um, no. And it's true. Women of a certain age, you just don't get... Roles yeah, anymore. basically between the ages of 25 and, as you know, 65. Oh. And then if you get to sort of grandma stage, you might get uh, get a few roles there. This is a great yeah. series for, for showing, as I said, that, yes, women are funny. Women of colour are funny. Uh, women of different genders and sexualities are funny. And uh, women over 25 are fantastic actors. Um, yeah. it, it's, a, uh, it's also, you know, yes, it is in a women's prison it doesn't it's not meant to be it's not a documentary uh it's not no. as dark as something like oz uh so it's it's not trying to portray exactly what life in prison is like uh but at the same time there are those you know elements there so there are those darker elements which i think is coming back to the idea of a comedy you know often comedy makes the darker stuff seem darker and the dark stuff makes the comedy seem funnier. I mean, I think they work so right. well together and, you know, I think Louis is, is probably another good point of how you can put the two together and they're both enhanced by not just being all, you know, chuckles. Not that there's yes, anything I wrong agree. with all chuckles. We like all chuckles sometimes. Um, yeah, we don't really have a lot of only chuckles shows, do we? Mm, no, no, I don't think that's the thing you and I like, is it? Yeah. Well, I do. I, I, the League, I guess, is kind of like that. Well, Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys. There's not a lot of heavy duty uh, stuff. No, there. no. Not a lot of life lessons to learn. You know, oh, the, there are those darker moments where Orangey the Goldfish passes away. <laughs> right. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Which time? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look, uh, you've got two seasons of Orange is the New Black to watch. They're sitting there on Netflix for you. Um, third season will be out next year, so definitely um, catch up. Do you need to watch both seasons? I would say it would be worth it, although you could dive into season two. I think you would be doing uh, selling your experience short yeah. because it is part of this... And, and part of the what the show does, uh, you know, on a very broad level is we often judge people by our current interaction with them, our one particular interaction with them. And, of course, you know, everyone is complex. Everyone has their own story. Doesn't mean you're going to like them anymore. Doesn't mean they're not a dickhead. But uh, I love that, you know, it, it goes back to Lost, uh, that, you know, in a way there's a parallel that in Lost we would go back to find out where these people had come from, but how being in a different situation can change you or challenge you or really just enhance the bad parts or the good parts of you. So uh, it's certainly, I think, uh, it's a device I really like in, um, in storytelling. The end. So there you go. Two television shows based on real people. Uh, one is a moving portrayal of women in prison, and the other is horse diarrhea. <laughs> and that's being mean to horse diarrhea. Uh, do not watch Scorpion. Tell your friends to not watch Scorpion. Um, please tweet to not watch Scorpion. Um, I wish all the best to the people involved in Scorpion, and uh, we promise never to mention it again later in your career. It certainly won't be on your Emmy reel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hopefully not, anyways. No. Otherwise, I'm giving up my membership immediately. <sighs>
Thank you for listening. What are we What are we talking about next week, Ryan? Well, I have on the calendar. We're going to be talking about Happy Fa- Happy Valley and Defiance. Do you? I think that's our old calendar. I think we're talking about something else. I think we're talking about Vikings and Rush. Um, no, okay. Viking, you're not using the calendar. Yeah, so that's on my Google calendar. The actual calendar, not a list. No, Google calendar. On October 25th? Yeah. No, it's not October 25th. Ha- oh, it is next week, isn't it? I don't even know what day it is. Happy Valley and Defiance we're talking okay, about. Okay, I better get to watching Happy Valley then. And I better get to start watching both of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a busy week for me, I think. <laughs> We might re uh, redo that schedule. Thank you, everyone, for listening <laughs> and p- seeing the pig behind our great organisational skills. <laughs> I think we need to download some software from an overfly a flying over plane, Ryan. And uh, I'll get the Ferrari jewels. You get the Ethernet cable. <laughs> and we'll uh, somehow hook it up across the Pacific and make things work. Uh, I've been Jules. This has been Ryan. We've been TV Chinwag. Come on back next week for an all-new episode. Hopefully it's a new one. I don't want to do a repeat again. (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin. Thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. <laughs>